Hey there, I'm Nikki Milne, high school dropout and ex-hairdresser and salon owner turned PR and marketing expert and founder of the Peth Collective PR Agency. The Passion to Profit podcast is a conversational business podcast with a focus on marketing and PR to help business owners scale successfully, acquire more customers, increase your profits and become that desired go-to brand in your industry. So open your notepad on your phone, get out your pens and paper. You don't want to miss any of the following tips, tricks, and strategies that you're about to experience on the Passion to Profit podcast. Let's get started. Hi, Lana. Welcome to the Passion to Profit podcast. Thanks for joining me today. Oh, it's my pleasure. We have been longtime friends. I think we actually first met back in the day at Mother's Group over nearly seven years ago now. We were both finding our way. I think you'd recently moved to Perth. And I mean, when I first met you, you were running a fitness business. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey at the start and what led you to being the owner of Leverage today. Yeah, well, that's like a whole lot of a whole lot of information just in the intro. So yes, I um when we met Nikki a long time ago, I'd actually just moved back to Perth from Sydney and started my first small business. But yeah, prior to that, I'd spent uh, 10 years in the corporate world and most of that in sales roles, but ended up in uh, national account management and managing a really big portfolio, a $60 million portfolio in Sydney. So that was a really important grounding, I think, and foundation for my business skills. And yeah, then I wanted to do something totally different. I'd spent too long in, in corporate land and too long behind the desk. And I was pregnant then with um, Addie, who's now seven. And that's how we met, obviously, through that mother's group. And that was really my first foray into small business. And through that business, I met you and I met so many other amazing uh, small business owners, not only in Perth, but across Australia, actually. But it was through that business, as I started networking and getting to know small business a bit better, that I saw the opportunity to bring some of my kind of more corporate business knowledge into small business and help other small business owners. So that was when I started One Small Step Business Coaching, which feels like, it feels like a long time ago, but it was actually quite a big chapter in my life. And you had an office in Subiaco, I remember when you decked it out and it was this beautiful office and it, you really in the space in, I guess, coaching back then before coaching and mentoring was what it is today, which seems like every second person's doing, in my opinion, whereas you were really at the forefront of that, probably potentially ahead of your time, you know, stepping back five, was that five, six years ago? Thank you. That means a lot, Nikki. Um, Yeah, yeah, that was, I started the business in 20, end of 2014. I registered the business name and, and started thinking about it. But yeah, thanks. That that means an enormous amount. I mean, you were you were in that space as well. Um, but yeah, it was totally different then. It was really, really different then. Even the phrase business coach was still a bit new and even a bit woo-woo and yucky in yeah. some ways. And Why would I need one of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, but yeah, that was five years. And um, yeah, shout out to Kelly at 13 Interiors because she created that beautiful office space in Subiaco. But yeah, it was sort of, it was amazing, but I also didn't, 
I made a few mistakes uh, on the way through and I didn't really scale my business that well. And a few other things were going on in my personal life that meant at the end of those, you know, five or six years, I was totally and utterly burnt out. <laughs> um, two little kids and a divorce probably, you know, didn't help that situation. But yeah, then it was, and I think we'll probably talk about this later, but it was then that I started to kind of get more into the world of media and I was able to join that join that industry and, and join that ecosystem. But yeah, I, I just adored, I adored all the clients, all the people that I met in those years of running One Small Step. And um, I think it's been a really, another really important chapter to enable me to do what I'm doing now with Leverage. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that background and knowledge of working hand in hand with the business owner back when you had One Small Step you know, I think we both, at the time I was doing a little bit of mentoring, but not a huge amount. We both noticed the need for a platform or a better way for small businesses to be able to step into the limelight and then to educate them how to do that. So I know, um, obviously recently, very recently, you have launched Leverage. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. So Leverage is, yeah, it's a, it's a very young little baby. It's, um, I launched the business at, on the 1st of January, actually, this year. But yeah, over the last, I'd say over the last kind of 12 to 18 months, I'd seen, I'd seen an opportunity to support people that are interested in, in speaking media and personal brand with an agency that, that has a PR element, but also offers, yeah, strategy and support in, in, and training in other ways. So yeah, I, I started Leverage um, and I really kind of didn't even know what it was going to turn into when I started it, but it's been, and I think it was just really because I was able to spot the opportunity. And as I said, I spent a long time in sales roles and as a, as a salesperson, I'm, I'm quite in tune with looking for the opportunity. I think I'm just inherently on alert for that. And you're, I know you're like that as well, Nikki, you can always see when there's something in the market that, you know, could be, could be addressed. So, um, but yeah, it's been, it's been a wild ride already. So I'm just, the lessons I've learned was, you know, don't overwork yourself, find some good staff, scale, scale early and, and scale fast. So that's, um, they're all the things I'm trying to do at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we caught out for a coffee. I think it was in December. You'd finished up your previous role. You were kind of in a space where you weren't sure if you were actually going to go out on your own or you were getting thrown a lot of opportunities that you could have easily dumped and move forward into. And I think from my perspective, obviously my agency, we are very focused on business and brand. And I just kept having these or potential clients come to me and wanting to build personal brand. And yeah. it doesn't, um, you know, it's just not something we specialize in. It's something I'm not confident in. And you need a really niche set of skills and contacts to actually propel a personal brand. So I must admit, I was a big push for like, Lana, you need to do this because we need yeah. to. <laughs> We're in Western Australia. I'm looking at agencies over on the East Coast that are doing amazingly well, but it really, it's not a, you know, an ideal thing for me to send these people to an East Coast. You know, I'd rather send them to you where you can go and sit down with them and have a chat to them and know the media landscape here. So I think that was a really interesting thing because we've seen a huge demand in inquiries about it, but we actually did not know where to refer these people. And I think um, I'll get you to explain what the difference between, I guess, a well, what is a personal brand and how you would put it in your terminology, just so the um, people listening understand, because it, on the outset, it looks like, well, we both do do PR, 
but we're very niche in our target audiences and the clients we take into our business. And I think I've noticed a lot of people get confused about that. So um, I'll hand it to you to explain what personal PR is. Yeah, no worries. So firstly, a personal brand, it's, it's really what people say about you when you're not in the room. And we've all got a personal brand, whether we like it or not. Um, but a personal brand, in my opinion, should be a construct. It shouldn't be 100% the unfiltered version of who you are. It's still a brand. And I think when you're building a brand, you're telling a story. And you're also a personal brand, in my opinion, needs to be a combination of the the things that you are known for, the way that you see yourself, but also the way that you want to be seen. So it's got that element of the aspirational, which I think, yeah, again, I'm a strategy nerd, you know that about me. And I think a good personal brand always starts with a strategy. So from a PR perspective, yeah, the 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 PR side of it is really establishing that person as the expert in that field, building that brand credibility. And I think PR and media in general just gives personal brands and individuals the opportunity to really get into the things that they're known for, you know. So everybody should have a good idea of these are the things that I want my personal brand to be known for. And it might, it shouldn't just be about your business. You know, it could be health and wellness, it could be family, but that's going to be different for everybody. But editorial media, I think is a really, um, really powerful space to over a, usually over a longer period of time, build that credibility and then give you something you can leverage by creating that point of difference and helping your personal brand stand out. Because let's face it, everybody, everybody's got one and some are better than others. So I think media gives you that opportunity to stand out. And I think I was, what a, you know, when I noticed a few of the influencers were, well, some of them were business owners, some of them were influencers were changing to their personal names. But yeah. probably, I would say two, two and a half years ago, I was really against it because in my mind you couldn't scale a personal brand. And lo and behold, here we are a good two years later. And guess who has a personal brand? <laughs> so I eat my words because I was like, what are they doing? They're crazy. They can't make money off a personal brand, all the rest of it. But I was so naive. I didn't actually understand the space and I didn't understand the strategy behind it or why you do it. Now, two years along, I'm like, right, this is a really interesting concept because people come to me as Nikki Milne to speak. And especially the media come to Nikki Milne. They don't come to the Perth Collective. Yeah. It's a really good way to explain it. And I was explaining it to a client the other day that, you know, that to me is what personal branding is. The media actually want you as a person. They want your opinion and your thoughts. And, you know, that's what sets you apart, especially if you're a little bit controversial. Yeah backing off when something's a little bit controversial. So I think that's a really good way to conceptualize um, personal branding because that to me is the best difference. And I love what you're saying about, you know, you still think it needs to be a little bit polished because the way I look at it, my personal brand is a show. And I say that very lightly, but I am (laughs) very aware that I'm going on stage, so to speak, when I'm going on my Instagram, people are watching me and what I'm saying is important to them. And it certainly can influence them. So there is very much an element that it is not the uncurated Nikki that my kids see at home when, you know, everything's in disarray and I'm trying to get three of them bloody ready to go to school in the morning. And that is me in my full capacity of being normal Nikki. But what <laughs> I see as my personal brand certainly is polished and I'm very mindful of everything I'm putting out, what I'm speaking about and what I'm sharing. So I think that's really important because a lot of people, I guess, we see jump on social media and they're being I feel sometimes too raw and Mm. 
where it starts to unravel in a business sense. So what Lana is actually referring to is more a polished, curated version of brand to a certain extent so that, yeah, there is still a differentiate between what you would do with your friends when the cameras aren't there or, the you know, the Instagram's not feeling you. Or yeah, the- I think the biggest sort of piece of advice I could give anybody that wants to build a personal brand is be deliberate about what you are trying to say. Don't just... You know, and it's like with anything, if, if you're building a business brand and you, you're trying to build a social media presence, you should be thinking about how you're portraying your brand because what you're trying to build is brand trust. You know, so consistency is always critical. I love, I mean, we said this before we started recording, I love, Nikki, that you've always been so on point and like super consistent with your brands, you know, all of them. But I think the thing with a personal brand is it it should build equity and add value to your business brand. So it's something that adds value and it's something that you can, yeah, then obviously funnel into other income streams like speaking, a book, whatever it is. But yeah, I mean, people want to hear from people. They want to hear, you know, what does this person stand for? What do they believe in? Yeah, I think we're just going to see more and more of it. And I think, um, I mean, I'm a great example because I have obviously got the Perth Collective PR and this year as of January, I took two full-time staff into it. And I've actually restructured my whole working week because I was just drowning in work. And a lot of it, I didn't directly need to be doing. So what I really did was restructure and brought um, Celeste and Paige on full-time. I work in the PR agency three days a week now, and I work two days a week, the Monday and the Tuesday in my personal brand. And Ah. that really helped clarify where my direction and time was being spent. And so on Mondays and Tuesdays of all my mentoring clients, it's any interviews I'm giving. I am updating my online courses, which is obviously an extension of my personal brand. I'm writing and I'm recording podcasts. I am doing everything to build my personal brand. But from a mindset perspective, I was last year jumping between two, not doing either of them very well. So I just, I think I read it somewhere and I was like, that's such a good idea. So for my personal focus, I'm two days awake in my personal brand and three days awake in the agency. And I make my calendar run like that. So I am Nikki Milne, head of PR agency on those other days. And I even dress differently. If I am in Nikki Milne personal mode, I'm probably a lot more relaxed in my dressing. And then I'm very polished in the agency. And that's just really helped me propel forward in the personal branding because I understand the importance of it. And like we're talking from a monetary perspective, I have an online course platform. It has a completely different website. All my Nikki Milne features actually go on that website, not the Perth Collective PR agency because yeah. that's different. And I've, of course, got two Instagrams. So I think you can monetize a personal brand as well. And I think the other thing it does Every time, you know, what's actually happened, the more I step forward in my business, the more media I'm getting, the more attention I'm getting. So actually by freeing me up and having a mindset that I'm in two days and three days, we've actually almost doubled the agency's income in one month or month on month for the last two months because I'm at the forefront of the business again, not buried and drowning in the back end of it. Yeah, that's awesome. I love how you're dividing up your week. I might, I might make a note here. <laughs> yeah, I, know. <laughs> I, do, I notice with women in particular, when I'm mentoring, they're so overwhelmed at how to spend up their, divvy up their time. And I'm like, right, Monday we focus on this. Tuesday you're doing emails. Wednesday you're doing socials. And they're like, oh my God, that is so, so refreshing. And so yes. you know, from a mindset, because otherwise we're multitasking. And that's where, as women, I find we're getting all sorts of mess because our multitask lists are huge. 
And, you know, we don't need to actually be actioning everything urgently. So, I mean, that works for me. So, yeah, absolutely, if it can help someone else. I love it. Yeah, I've made a note. Yeah, good. Um, <laughs> tell me which days you're on, Lana. Okay, okay. <laughs> Personal brand day or is this an agency day? I love it. And so then... I mean, I love that you've expanded out into personal brands and I think we're just going to see more and more of it. I'm getting a lot of influencers messaging me going, look, I've had this Instagram handle for ages. I'm actually going to go back to my own name. What do you think? And I'm like, do it. it you own the space. There is never another you. I think it's a great thing. So, um, and I think we're going to see it like you touched on more and more as a business marketing tool, like you're saying from speaking. So I guess it's probably a good time now to um, talk about opportunities that having a personal brand can bring in terms of media and speaking. Do you want to just expand on that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, I mean, one of my favorite things apart from media and personal brands is speaking. Um, and I think, yeah, you've again, you've got to be, you've got to have a strong and clear personal brand. Like when you, when you want, you, when people think of Nikki Milne, you want them to think, okay, this is what Nikki stands for. When I think of Nikki, this is what I think about because only then will you, you know, be able to charge good money and also get approached for speaking gigs. But yeah, I mean, you can be a, a business speaker alongside your business and be charging literally thousands of dollars for a keynote or a panel appearance or whatever. You know, the the bigger, it's been a bit different, obviously, because of COVID the last few years. But, you know, local governments have budget, businesses, big corporate businesses have budget. And I think you should always, you know, and I know you're into this as well, you should always put a value on your time as well. So, and then books as well. Books are another really good example. Um, you've mentioned online courses of how to kind of create that product. You know, you're, you're essentially um, commercialising your brand and identity and your intellectual property. So um, not everybody, I think, is is suited to do all of the things, but I think it's really important always to identify, number one, what do you want to be known for? And also, like where's the gap you know there's a lot of there's a lot of people trying to occupy the same space and i think you've got to be really clear about what's your point of difference there might be somebody else in like you and i nikki somebody else could look at us and go well lana and nikki are both in pr yeah we both know message me and say that <laughs> like they're like what really? are you doing she's copying you and i'm like no, she's absolutely, no, it's, you've completely misread. I was like, Lana does personal brand. We do business. We've had two um, DMs like that. And it's because people don't understand the difference between our services. So that's I yeah, mean, right. why I was so, you know, I wanted to get you on here and explain it because from the outset, people actually presumed you and I were doing exactly the same thing, not realizing we knew each other. And I found that really interesting because I was like, there's not enough brand awareness around what a personal brand is and what it can do for someone. So when I explained it, they were like, oh, right. Oh, I never knew that was a thing. And I'm like, it's growing and it's going to be huge. So, yeah, I think that's from the outset, a lot of people would presume we do exactly the same thing. Yeah. And look, PR, PR is a really broad umbrella. I mean, what you're, I think what you're incredible at is, you know, the launches that you've done and the way that like social media, you're absolutely incredible at social media. I have never been and will never, you know, pretend to be a social media expert or events. You know, it's not something I do. But PR is all of those things. Yes, it's media, but it's so many other things that come together to build awareness about a brand. And I think, um, yeah, there's there's so many different options out there for businesses as well. They just need to 
find the best fit for them. And I think sort of rewinding a little bit, I have a lot of people come and say, but I can't speak on stage. I don't know what to say to the media. And I know you offer training in that. So, you know, for someone that comes to you and says, Lana, I'm just, I just don't, couldn't get up on stage. And if the TV crew or a paper even ring me, I'm going to have a meltdown. What can you offer to help them get past that and have tools to actually grow in that space? Because I know it's a huge hurdle for a lot of people to get over. Thanks for the segue. Media training is one of my favourite um, just favorite things to do. So yeah, there's a few different ways. I do one-on-one training, group training, and also online courses will be releasing those shortly. But I think the first thing, yeah, a lot of people think, especially for a TV interview, they might get thrown off guard. They might not know what questions they're going to get asked. So the first step is really, I think, for people to understand this is actually how it works. Like this is this is how you can prepare. Um, you'll always know what the questions are going to be on TV. For example, radio is a little bit different. But I think once people can kind of understand how the machine works, they can feel less nervous about it. Everyone gets nervous. I get nervous whenever I do live television or radio. But, yeah, it's also practice. It's knowing how to manage your nerves Preparation is always key. But the other thing to remember too, the media doesn't want perfection. They don't expect you to be this perfectly trained kind of, you know, newsreader style. They want human. They want real. They want um, something that's going to engage the audience. So don't ever feel like you've got to be perfect. You really don't. But I think that the biggest thing is to understand the media first. And, um, yeah, that's part of what I do with, uh, with the training. And I think that's just such a great capsule of what it can be because I recently um, did a TV interview for Channel 7. We are looking after Club Molia, which is a $100 million country club. We went up to Bindone an hour away. I met with the TV crews. I'm their spokesperson, got in front of the camera. I think I talked for 30 minutes. Yeah. And then the site manager and basically the guy up there organising it, he spoke for another like 30 minutes. When it went to air, it was less than five seconds for either of us. It was yeah. one sentence they grabbed and he's rung me and was like, is this normal? I'm like, yes, this is what I was trying to tell you. They will film for an hour to get one line that they will yeah. actually go to air with. So I think when you keep that in mind when you're speaking, that really a lot of what you're saying is going to get cut. So don't be too over-curated or overthink it because it's like when we put stuff on social media, it lives for five seconds. Like, yeah. No, we put so much emphasis of it's going to be perfect and this is going to be in history, but it's really not like that. So if we can debunk that and actually make you feel more comfortable saying that, you know, this is literally going to be cut down to, you'll be lucky to get five seconds of airtime in all honesty, especially talking Channel 9 or Channel 7 news. And then you're probably as well um, talking more about the pulse section. So in Western Australia, I'm sure in other states, do they have the pulse maybe? Similar, yeah, not called the pulse, but they have the same kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, so that's more opinion piece. So do you want to explain what that kind of opportunity looks like? Because I think that is quite prevalent for personal branding. Yeah, I mean, look, it's a bit sad. There's not a lot of those opportunities around. They've actually shelved um, the pulse here in Perth temporarily. Oh, right. Yeah, so they've changed... They've changed the format of um, of the news, but yeah, those if you can if you can get into media in the way of being a broader media commentator, and you're you're a regular commentator across a number of issues. I mean, that's massive. And look, for me personally, and I know for lots of my clients, that's the goal is to be not just talking about the specific thing that they do from a business perspective. It's talking about other things, and that's I think yeah, there's a really big opportunity. But that opportunity is 
there. Um, I mean, TV is obviously fairly limited. And as you said, you know, you, you might be lucky to get a few minutes. But radio, the, the opportunities there for that kind of opinion sharing piece in radio, online, print, you know, the, the opportunities are there, podcasting. And I think that's that's the thing I love about the media. The media's changed so much over the last kind of five to ten years. And I'm if someone comes to me and says, Lana, I want to build my personal brand. I'm going to say, great, let's do it across a range of different platforms because that's going to give you the biggest return on your investment and that's going to enable you to really build that credibility over a long time. And it also enables you to get in front of different target audiences. So yep. someone that listens to the radio might not necessarily read the paper. Someone that reads the paper might not listen or watch the news or any of those current affairs programs. And I think you're right in, you know, we've noticed it in the last seven or so years, we used to have a current affair, we used to have, what was Lou the host of? Today, oh, yes. Today tonight. Yeah, yeah. Um, so our mutual friend who introduced us at Motherhood, um, Lou Mombo, was the host of Today Tonight. You know, there was just so much more opportunity in TV and we've seen just a huge, um, you know, now they have the news, which runs for an hour, and then, you know, you're very lucky. And we say to our clients, if we can achieve TV for you, I mean, that's incredible. We've had two yeah five years of the agency actually appear on TV to be interviewed. So it's quite a, you know, I guess managing people's ex- expectations on personal brand is a huge thing as well. I see yeah. it when I get these emails and I was telling Lana that I literally got an email two days ago from a lady that wanted to build personal brand. You know, she didn't suit my business, but we don't do personal brand. And when I said to her, look, this is not what we do, maybe have a chat to Lana. Well, I got the most vicious, nasty email back that, you know, I had a problem with her and all the rest of it. I was like, no, we don't do personal branding. It was just such a a, a funny email to receive. Um, And I mean, she was so angry at me that we wouldn't even enter into a conversation with her. But I don't do personal branding. So, you know, I think expectations on personal branding as well. If you want to have an excelled personal brand, go and do a reality TV show. <laughs> like, that is the quickest, simplest, easiest way to get yourself Australia-wide recognition, good and bad. You've got to take both. But, you know, that is a classic prime example of personal branding. Yeah, you're you're actually spot on. I think the thing that I find really interesting about that though is, and it's part of the reason why I named the business leverage, is because you can have an opportunity, whether it be a reality TV show, whether it be a media interview, whatever it is. But if you don't turn that into something, if you don't leverage that, then you know, it's just one thing. Like you don't want to ever be the one hit wonder. And I think that's always the thing to remember with with building any brand. It's, you know, w- what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with the bigger audience? What are you going to do with your, you know, massive social media following that you might have built? You've got to, you've got to do something with it. So yeah. Who wants to be on a reality show? I'm not sure I do. <laughs> you know what? I've met quite a lot of these reality stars over the years and, you know, quite often they're the unassuming people that you would never, ever pick. Like Nikki Grogan is gorgeous, actually quite quiet and, you know, so professional and she was on The Bachelor. And, you know, I've, you know, another one, Cam works at the fire station with my husband. He's lovely and quiet and, like, you would just never pick them to be the type that would go on a reality show. But they have amassed followers from all over Australia and both of those, unfortunately, um, they held themselves very well on the Bachelor series and, and Bachelorette and they come out really well, but it can go awfully, awfully bad yeah. as well. So I think, you know, that's 
like you're saying, leveraging off it. And then we look at the Kardashians who are a prime case of Kim had a personal brand first and foremost because of that sex tape, you know, and then she was Paris Hilson's friend. But then obviously mama manager, Chris Jenner, has been able to actually leverage off that and turn it into a TV show, invest in businesses. But ultimately Kim Kardashian is actually, I think, a personal brand. Totally. And that's a really, Nikki, it's such a good example because, We don't all necessarily want to be Kim Kardashian, but if you build a personal brand that people are excited by and engaged with, and PS, you don't have to excite the whole world. You just have to excite your audience. But if you you do it successfully, people, it doesn't matter what you're selling, what your business is, what your you know, what your purpose is, I guess, as a business, people will engage. And then you can, you can have lots of different businesses like Kim does, you know, the makeup line, skims, whatever it is, because people are on board with her. And I think that's the reason as well to build a personal brand. And this is whether you're a business owner or whether you're a professional, whether you're an employee, you know, building your business, your personal brand over time will always pay dividends. And I don't think you necessarily always know what that's going to be at the time, but people will follow you because you have a great reputation and they almost don't care what you're selling. They want to buy it because they like you. Yeah. And I very early on went to, it was really out of my comfort zone, some big corporate event. I can't remember. I think I was there on behalf of Mercedes. Um, and there was like a thousand people in this room and this thing kept flashing up on the screen and it was build community and culture first and then yeah. introduce your product. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that is just, it was one of those aha moments because I knew if I could build community and culture around the Perth Collective, that by the time I actually launched, God knows what I was thinking I was going to launch because it was such a great <laughs> and I, it, I was like, well, you know, I don't know what I can leave and sell off this, but I knew if I had my community and culture and it was strong enough that when the time come, people would buy from me and it's exactly what happened. And I think that's a really good takeaway from other people that if you build your community and culture around your personal brand and what you stand for, then if you do want to speak on stage and have an audience and sell tickets to it, so like I do that once a year annual masterclass, I sell 150 to 200 tickets and it's just me all day speaking. And that sells out every year. But that's because I work so hot, strong on building a personal brand. Yeah. Realizing I was doing it along the way before I changed the name to Nikki Milne on the account. So, um, you know, I just think there's so much scope and we're only going to see more of it as people recognize and come to the realization, like I did, (laughs) that um, (laughs) it's actually a really good thing to also have a personal brand walking alongside your brand or business. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So what would you say your top three tips are for building a personal brand for someone that's just starting out, listened to our conversation and went, okay, I can see your point. I'd love to have a double in this and see how far I can take it. What would you advise them to be looking to do? Okay. So I touched on it before, but the first thing is to have a strategy. So even if it's only one page, just really have a think about what are the goals of your personal brand? What is it that you're trying to do with your personal brand? Um, It might be speaking and media and a book, but usually it's, you know, maybe just one or two things, but get really clear and specific about what is the purpose of trying to grow my um, personal brand? And there's not really a wrong answer. It's just being clear about what your what your objective is. The second thing I would say, and it's one of my favourite exercises to do um, when I'm doing a personal brand strategy with a client, don't forget about the aspect of how people perceive you. 
So my favorite exercise to do is I call it the five words exercise. You ask three different people in your life, someone that knows you only from a professional sense, someone that knows you only in a personal sense, and then someone that you kind of know or they know you on both sides of the coin, if you like, and get them to describe you in five words. Now, I guarantee there will be some words in there that, number one, they'll be consistent across all three of those people. And secondly, there'll be some words in there that will surprise you. And the really fun and interesting part of that exercise is the way you're perceived is something you can build value from and build equity off of. So don't ever only look through your own eyes when it comes to personal brand. Really get some feedback around what is my value in the market? How do other people see me as being valuable? Testimonials are another good way to do that. And then thirdly, I would say think long-term. So again, when it comes to your personal brand, it's not something that you're not going to be able to kind of develop a really strong personal brand overnight, you know, in a month. It's going to it's gonna take time. So just be patient, be authentic, stick to your strategy, But also my advice, and this is just, you know, business advice as well as personal brand advice, don't try and do all the things. So if you've identified speaking or media, you know, but then you're thinking of social media and podcasts and a book and all the things, don't try and do all the things. Just try and, you know, really identify what's going to give you the best return on your time and, um, and energy when you're building the thing. Love it. And they're great tips, especially that one asking other people. I remember going, Lisa Message had come to Western Australia a few years ago and I did like a private session or I don't know how I ended up private with her. But anyway, she was telling me that you've got to imagine yourself, and this is quite morbid, in a coffin and then people are at your funeral and what are they saying about you? (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay, yep, need to change that. (laughs) So that always stays with me. And I had a near-death experience just before that where I rode off a car and wrapped my car around a tree and all these things and nearly was killed. And, you know, I was like, right, okay, if I left right now the world, what would people say about me at my funeral? How would I be remembered? And, you know, I really, that was a game-changing moment a little bit for me when she said that method, which is a little bit similar to what you're saying, because that is ultimately what you're putting out into the world. Yeah, totally. And like, what is the legacy that you want to leave? What What is the impact that you want to make? What is your purpose? So yeah, I think different ways to skin the same cat. <laughs> you know I always like shock tactics. I was really shocked by that, that I was like, okay, now I've got my head around it and I'm not that offended. I kind of get where you were going with that strategy. <laughs> Lana, we always finish off with three quick questions you have for me. I'd love to hear them, especially Lana knows me very well and she knows how my brain ticks. So I'm very intrigued to see what you'd like to ask. All right. So here's here's some I prepared earlier. Nikki, what is your, if you could only use one marketing tactic, what would it be? What's your favorite? Relationship building. So I didn't even need to think about that. I think everyone sees me on social media and all that, but my biggest investment is relationships. So I email people that are important to me in a business sense. I guess let's talk from a business perspective. I tell them that I've noticed they've done an amazing thing and I just want to congratulate them. I might send them a card in the mail saying, wow, congratulations. I noticed you've reached 5,000 followers. And I'm really big on making people feel supported and valued because I think when people believe in you, it's just the most powerful thing. So, you know, building those relationships and people remember how I make them feel. So relationships. 
That's a bloody great tip. As a salesperson, I love that. It's, oh, all, about, it's all about relationships. Love you well, all right. What number two? What is the biggest lesson? Again, this is hard. I know because you've been in business a long time. But what is the biggest lesson you've ever learned in business? I think when I decided to do a magazine, I'm a bit of a cliff diver, or I was back then, and I put out on social media without much thought, like five seconds thought that I was going to do publish a print magazine, and I put it on social media. And then the next day, everyone thought it was an incredible idea. It went crazy, had so many comments and so much support. And then I started looking into it and quickly realized it was going to cost over $10,000 for one edition. But Mm. I had no money. It was a really startup phase in my business. So I was quite terrified and I, I just couldn't fail. I just could not let that happen because I'd put it out. It had so much publicity around it. So then I literally had to pivot, which I've learned I'm very good at. And what I did was create a membership. And this is way back in 2015. Yeah, yeah. And I created a membership and the membership was $600 a year. And I worked out if I could sell like 30 of them, it would bankroll the magazine. So what I did was you got the magazine and a feature in the magazine and you also got the um, feature, I mean, the membership. So that ultimately got me out of a really sticky situation. And, I mean, I only had one child, I think, back then. So, you know, to take that big risk was just beyond me, but I was very lucky I was savvy to be able to generate the income to do the magazine. But I I do a lot more due diligence these days now when I have a big idea. <laughs> I'm like, okay, Nikki, hold on a minute. Is this going to cost 50000 or 20000 and how are you going to fund it? So I guess that was a big lesson because it was a very stressful, you know, 48 hours after that going, oh, my God, because I don't do things by half. We were talking about that off air. <laughs> I took on the girls that were actual... Um, magazine editors for Scoop, which was a big magazine here that had just folded yeah. on Joe Tapodi and Anna Christensen, who was a writer, and they produced this incredible, beautiful magazine. And then I, I guess, I, again, another thing I learned from that was I wouldn't have advertising in it because I wanted it to be about the business owners. But it, what ended up happening, it wasn't a viable scalable magazine because I wouldn't do advertising and now in hindsight if I step back it would be a magazine with advertising but you know you learn these things yeah wow yeah and I remember that the membership that was like memberships are such a normal thing now and you did it you did it that was like back in 2015 I think so that was you know when people say I'm doing a membership I was like I've been there I've done that and this is my learnings from it Yeah, I love it. That's so good. All right. Well, this is, I prepared this question, I promise, before I heard you say that thing that Lisa Messenger shared with you. But what would you like people to say about your brand? If you could choose like one or two things, what would you like people to say? Probably strong, authoritative. This is a hard one, isn't it? (laughs) Good. (laughs) Strong, authoritative. I guess I know my mind. I'm very, um, I don't know how to summarise that in one word, but, you know, I'm very, like we were talking about before, I have a lot of clients, potential clients approach us, and I know straight away whether they're a right fit or a wrong fit for us. I'm very authoritative. So I think, um, I guess that makes me desirable. Mm. Really the whole brand subconsciously, which I've never really thought about until you've put me on the spot, but has been built on a bit of desirability. You want to be part of us because we're not for everyone and we don't take everyone on. And if we did, that wouldn't make us as desirable. Yes, I like it. You've definitely achieved that, those things, I think. I have my three words I'm taking away. (laughs) 
Love it. <laughs> that was a little bit of a left to center, but I guess that's ultimately what we do. And I guess we specialize in luxury and the whole point of luxury is it's desirable because everyone else can't have it. Like, you know, it's not for everyone and everyone can't just access it. That's so, it. It's the FOMO. It's the total yeah. FOMO. Yes, absolutely. So, Lana, <laughs> where can people find you? Share, share your Instagram and your website. Yeah, so our website is www.leveragemedia.com.au and we are underscore Leverage Media on Instagram and Leverage Media Perth on Facebook. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining me. As always, we have such insightful chats. I love chatting. Yeah, I love it. And, um, hopefully we'll get you back on in a few months and we can talk about other things that are happening in the mediascape and the PR world because I just always love your insights and your knowledge and your background on media. So thanks for joining oh, thanks. me. Thank you. Love it. Thanks for having me. Bye. I hope you loved today's episode. I am so passionate about sharing the stories of other business owners and passing on my knowledge and experience from the last 17 years of business ownership. If you enjoyed the Passion to Profit podcast, it would mean so much to me if you left a review or you shared it to your Insta stories. Don't forget to tag me at Nikki Milne underscore. In the show notes below, you'll find a link to my new step-by-step marketing audit for your business. Together, we're going to audit your current digital assets, identify your weaknesses, and you'll discover the solutions you need to accelerate growth in your business right now. And did I mention that I am letting you have this complimentary for a limited time only? It is valued at $297. So what are you waiting for? Go to nikkimilne.com forward slash business audit or hit the link in the show notes below. I'll see you there.